Elizabeth Warren has announced a new faith-based advisory council. We'll talk about what that means for her White House bid ahead. Also, a new Gallup poll reveals most Americans aren't happy with the state of U.S. abortion laws. We'll explain. And finally, Corey Asbury is back with a brand new single, and we'll play a clip. That's all ahead. This is the Friday edition of Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. Everyone, I'm Jesse Carey. Welcome to Relevant Daily, where we bring you what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. All those stories are coming up, but first, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. Translating the Bible requires a delicate blend of accuracy and readability. The Christian Standard Bible pursues that blend, upholding fidelity to the original languages and presenting scripture compellingly for our modern English context. It's accurate, readable, and shareable. The Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com slash relevant to learn more. That's csbible.com slash relevant. All right. To tell us about today's stories, it's our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Tyler, how is it going, man? Hey, it's good. It's good to be here on a Friday, Jesse. We made it. We made it. Another week. <laughs> Almost we are there. here at Friday. Friday afternoon. All right. Well, let's jump in. Uh, we, of course, you know, we're right here in the middle of uh, a very big political season, and there is an update at the intersection of faith and culture. So we are going to cover it, and that is that Elizabeth Warren is making an even uh, making faith an even bigger part of her campaign. Mm-hmm. Tell her, tell us about her latest moves, Tyler. Yeah. So, so Elizabeth Warren, obviously a major White House hopeful, has revealed a faith-based campaign initiative and a new religious advisor. Council with endorsements from over 100 major religious figures from all over the country. She announced this initiative in a statement that was released to Religion News Service. The statement said, quote, I'm proud to announce a committed group of faith leaders that will lead my campaign's Interfaith Advisory Council. If we want to restore communities, what better way than to influence systemic injustices that will break generational strongholds of poverty and oppression? The Warren for President Interfaith Advisory Council will answer the call for social, racial, and economic justice by working together to build an America that works for everyone. So obviously not super unique for presidential yeah. hopefuls to bring in if religious advisory councils like this. But this is a little bit notable. Uh, we remember in 2016 when President Trump brought together his then evangelical campaign advisory yeah. council. This is a little bit different. This brings in people from all across the religious spectrum in America. That That, that is notable and interesting. Like, like you said, even I remember, you know, one of our uh, someone who's been a friend of, of relevant for a while, Joshua Dubois, served on uh, an, an evangelical advisory council for the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. Of course, President Trump, like you said, has his. But this is an interfaith council, so that means lots of different types of religious leaders. Who exactly is serving on this council, Tyler? Well, worth noting here that Warren herself is a United Methodist. Okay, so she, but her council is made up of all sorts of different leader, leaders from different religious uh, traditions. And there's even one, a chaplain who considers himself a humanist on there. So hmm. really, no no stone left unturned. Yeah, humanist this group chaplain. of folks. Yeah. Uh, but via RNS, this group contains, here's just a selection of a few people, uh, Miniard Culpepper, who's senior pastor at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Massachusetts. William Flippin Jr., senior pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Georgia. Uh, Donnie Daughtry is senior pastor at the House of the Lord Fellowship in New Jersey. Bonnie Miotai-Trice is the leader of Hermitage Heart Zen Center in North Carolina. And the Rabbi 
Matthew Sofer of the Judea Reform Congregation in Massachusetts. So and there's and there's tons more, and there there are lots of endorsements that have been coming out on social media today from people who signed on to be part of her faith group. Uh, campaign staffer told RNS that this committee will help advise Warren on policies and positions specific to the faith community. Now, Warren, like you said, is a, is a United Methodist, and she has a couple times so far during the campaign brought her own kind of faith story and background, uh, you know, into the campaign. What 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 has she said up to this point? Yeah, she's actually rely. She's actually brought it up quite a bit, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, it's an area that oftentimes Democrats are very wary of treading on in a way that Republicans in America are not. But but she really has been very open about her faith background, uh, just as an example. At a CNN town hall, Warren was asked how she was shaped by her religious beliefs, uh, and she referenced her favorite Bible passage, which is the parable of the sheep and the goats. She says that story taught her two things. Quote, the first is there is a God, there is value in every single human being, and the second is that we are all called to action. Hmm. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on it and any developments with her faith uh, council and, and, of course, any other presidential faith councils during this uh, season. It's definitely kind of an angle we like to explore the you know news of the political lens through. And speaking of which, one of the issues that is, you know, consistently at the top of the list, if not the very top uh, of concerns for faith voters is abortion. <laughs> Today is, of course, the March for 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 Life rally in Washington D.C. A, a pretty significant one because of some information you're going to uh, tell us about. But it also comes on the heels of an interesting study about some new information uh, that tells us how Americans feel currently about abortion laws in America. Tell us first. Tell us, tell us why today's March for Life uh, rally is so significant. But also uh, unpack this new study a little bit. Yeah, the March for Life is taking place right now in D.C. So we don't have exact numbers on it, but early estimates say. This could really be a historic gathering, even by their standards. Lots of people turning up in D.C. today for the March for Life. Probably a big part of that, President Trump became the first sitting president to attend the anti-abortion, uh, the, the annual anti-abortion march in D.C. And this comes right out the same time a new Gallup poll does. And this study found that Americans' dissatisfaction with current abortion laws is on the rise, with 58% saying they're unhappy with the current laws. Only 32% say they're satisfied with current abortion laws. That is a new low for this study. All right, so that is interesting because these are these are our new lows. But uh, you know, how are people unhappy? What exactly mm -hmm. are they unhappy with as it pertains to America's current abortion laws? Well, according to Gallup, the shift has largely, and in, in fact, they say almost entirely, been driven by Democrats and independents who say they want fewer restrictions on abortion in the U.S. Thirty-one percent of Democrats say they want to ease restrictions on abortion. That's a big jump from the fourteen percent that said the same during. President George W. Bush's administration, but Republicans who lean towards anti-abortion legislation really haven't shifted much at all. So this shift is driven almost entirely by Democrats and independents who lean pro-choice in their voting. Lydia Saad, that's Gallup's director of U.S. social research, speculated that the shift could be driven by Trump's hardline rhetoric and the volley mm. of strict so-called heartbeat abortion bills that were attempted in 2019. Saad thinks that the laws could have the unintended consequence of actually stealing the American voting populace against mm. new restrictions, sort of amplifying and driving that yeah. wedge further apart and sending people who might have been a little more moderate into the extremes. 
That is an interesting observation, Tyler, about possible unintended consequences of some of the latest kind of rhetoric around rhetoric mm-hmm. around abortion policy. But break down the study a little bit by the actual numbers so that we can kind of see you know, what this dividing line now looks like. Yeah. So according to the study, the percentage of Americans who want more abortion restrictions is at, at about 24 percent. The percentage who want fewer abortions is about 22 percent, uh, given the margin for error on this study. That's a statistical dead heat. Wow. Uh, so there just isn't a strong majority one way or the other among most voters for more or fewer abortion restrictions. The case is very much up in the air right now, but it is fair to say that pro-choice sentiment has surged under the Trump administration. So something to keep an eye on, definitely something that is in the minds of a lot of the people who are at the March for Life in D.C. today. Yeah, and we should say we, of course, over at Relevant Magazine, have embedded a stream today of the March for Life event uh, mm-hmm. where uh, President, uh, Vice President Pence uh, spoke via satellite. And of course, President Trump was speaking in person. People can go back to the site and watch an archive of that if they want to see the March for Life, the March for Life event uh, in Washington, D.C. You can see it over at RelevantMagazine.com. And speaking of stuff that's on RelevantMagazine.com over the yeah. weekend, if you want to check out our old buddy, Corey Asbury of Reckless Love and numerous other songs fame is back with a new single. He's been on a little bit of a hiatus. So he's mm-hmm. done the relevant podcast recently, but uh, he's back with new music. Mm-hmm. He's got a brand new single. It's called The Father's House. As you said, Jesse, this is a months long hiatus for him. Uh, that's a statement that came along with it. This is from Bethel says, quote, after taking a year off to rest with family, Corey is back on the scene with new projects, songs, and a deeper revelation of the father's heart. His newest single, The Father's House, paints a picture of the delight and freedom that is found when we enter the father's house and portrays the deep message of identity and sonship in a fun and energetic way. Here's a clip of that song. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over, my story's just begun And failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does Yeah, failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does If you want to hear the whole thing, and why wouldn't you? We have it all posted on Relev Magazine. All right. Well, Tyler, that'll do it for today. Another week in the books, my friend. <laughs> it was a good one. Uh, thanks a lot, Jesse. And hey, everybody have a great weekend. Yeah, we'll see you guys on Monday. Remember, you can read more about those stories and everything else we're covering today at RelevantMagazine.com. Also, make sure to follow us on social and you'll never miss a thing. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We have a weekly newsletter and another podcast that you should absolutely subscribe to. And remember, we're here every weekday bringing you the latest at the intersection of faith and culture. Thanks for listening to everyone. Enjoy your weekends. This is Relevant Daily. Relevant Daily.